Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. All right, 12 and a half minutes left in Ottawa. Senators lead the Flames 1-0 in the third. Hurricanes up 3-0 on the Blue Jackets. It's 3-3 Sabres and Rangers. Jeff Skinner has scored his third of the season. 1-1 Islanders and Flyers in the third. Late second period, Anaheim is up 1-0 on Minnesota. Some games later on, including the Jets up against the Canucks. Oilers game, of course, uh, postponed as they were set to take on the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, we'll see if Winnipeg can... Well, if Winnipeg were to win tonight, they would pass the Oilers when it comes to points percentage, but they would remain two points behind them. Edmonton and Toronto both with 42 points atop the division. Leafs have the advantage because they've played a couple of uh, fewer games than Edmonton. So that's what we can tell you there. The Edmonton Oil Kings are rocking and rolling. They are 7-0 and to start the Western Hockey League season. One of their top guns is Jake Neighbors, who checks into Inside Sports tonight. Jake, thanks for doing this. And, of course, like my other guest tonight, thanks for, thanks for coming on on, uh, on short notice. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Reed? I'm doing very well. Uh, pleasure to talk to you. Man, oh, man, 7-0. and You can't do any better than that. What's clicking for you guys? Yeah, I think uh, I think the guys have just obviously starts with a good training camp, and um, you know I think we've came together as a team pretty quickly here, and um, you know obviously with the strong amount of core core guys we had back um, from our team last year, we knew we were going to be strong, and um, I think we've just uh, we've been sticking to our game plan, playing well, playing well as a team, and it's worked out for us. So, how how eager were you personally to get into game action for that first one against uh, Lethbridge? Yeah, really eager. Obviously, the wait is, uh, has been too long, so to get in that game was, was unreal. And, um, you know, to be to be seven in now is almost crazy to think that we're in the middle of the season. But, um, you know, it's really good to be back and, and competing again. So, it, well, it was kind of funny because you played two weekends and then you guys had a bye week. So, <laughs> like, was that kind of like, well, wait a minute, we don't, we don't need a rest, we're fine. <laughs> How did you guys handle that? Yeah, it's obviously a, a different thing. Obviously, added to the league this year with COVID protocols, and um, you know it was different for sure to kind of get back into it and then have to take uh, some time off. But uh, you know, every team has to go through it this year, so we we tried to take it as a positive and um, you know give us a chance to really uh, dial in and um, you know look at our past four games and do some video and things like that, and then really build our team um, that way in practice and things like that. So. Um, the uh, the bye week was good to get some rest and, and also to sharpen some things up in the systems. All right, and you've picked up right where you left off. You have 12 <laughs> points in seven games. You're plus 11. Tell everybody who you're playing with and why that line works. Yeah, I've uh, been playing with Dylan Gunther um, and Kate Oliver. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Gunther, uh, highly touted prospect this year and, um, you know, played with them last year with Riley and 
I think we've just, you know, had chemistry together ever since we uh, started playing together. So, you know, good to pick up where we left off with, with him. And, and obviously, Cade's been a huge addition for us, you know, a veteran veteran guy in the middle there and, you know, good on face-offs and, and plays the game the right way. So um, we've had a, a strong start to the season. So tell everybody what the the flow is for you guys and how it works for for players being tested. Obviously, the the story to Montreal is a big one tonight. So what happens for the Oil Kings to make sure uh, you know COVID isn't getting into the team anymore? Yeah, we get tested weekly, so um, you know we make sure that uh, so every team gets tested weekly, and um, you know if everyone tests negative, obviously you're able to go into the weekend and play, but. Um, you know, I take the NHL as uh, an everyday thing, but um, here in the Western League, uh, we only test once a week, and, and obviously protocols are pretty strict, so, um, you know, that's pretty much all you need. Has the has the experience, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it has, but maybe you can enlighten us here. I mean, it's part of the experience of being a junior hockey player, too, is camaraderie and road trips and having buddies that you're probably going to be buddies with for, for the rest of your life. It, it, that experience must be change now because of all the restrictions in place yeah it's definitely different I, um you know we definitely spent a lot more time together at the rank um you know i think since we're going to school there and um, you know spending the majority of our day there um you know we're obviously getting a lot of time together but i'm um, at that same time you don't really get that time away from the rank um to go hang out with your buddies and um you know go over to billet houses or anything like that so uh, obviously that's a bit different and, and you know it's obviously unfortunate but um, there's obviously sacrifices we have to make uh, to be able to be playing right now. So um, if it if it means we get to play, then we're okay with it. It's obviously not the most ideal situation, but we'll take what we can get. All right. So so when you're home in the evening, and obviously you're only playing on weekends, so Monday through Thursday, you know you're going to be at home. Do you watch uh, Oilers? Do you watch Flames? Do you watch the Blues since they drafted you and you were on their taxi squad for a while? What do you find yourself checking out? Yeah, I still watch the Oilers quite a bit, obviously. Just uh, being on the Oil Kings, the boys love to watch the Oilers and, and talk about the games and stuff like that. And uh, I was an Oilers fan when I was a kid growing up. So, um, But then I also, uh, if the Blues are on, I, I'll chuck them on. I got a, um, a subscription to NHL Live there so I can watch all their games. And um, But, yeah, with all this downtime, I definitely find myself watching a lot of hockey. Um, you know, just throwing on an early game even. doesn't matter who's playing, really. I'll just... I'll chuck a game on and watch that. So a lot of downtime. It's kind of fun to watch some hockey. Yeah. Do you, do you watch any other sports? I mean, the NCAA tournament is, is on. There's been golf. There's been in, in NBA. Do you check any of that stuff? Yeah, I, I'm a fan of all sports, I think. Uh, I watch a bit of basketball if I can. I like to watch the Raptors. Um, you know, the Jays have got going here recently, and I like watching the Jays. So I uh, try to watch them as well. And, um, you know, on the bus rides, actually, usually we've got the the golf the golf on when we're on the road on the weekends, so we've been watching that on the bus as well. All right. I, I always try to ask you something fun, and, and your your clip from the, the draft question is still one of the best all time on this show, so uh, I, I don't mind throwing stuff at you because you can handle it. Have you ever read your own Wikipedia page? Because I double-checked. You do have one. It's actually pretty detailed. I don't think I have, no. <laughs> I didn't know I had one. You you have a Wikipedia page. It's got your your birthday, 
which is soon, by the way. Advanced happy birthday if I don't talk to you the week of. <laughs> it's, you. Got, it's got your height and weight. It's got a little bit about growing up in Airdrie. And it, it, you're going to like this one. Okay, under early life for Jake Neighbors, it's three sentences. I'll read it to you. Neighbors was born on March 29th, 2002 in Airdrie. When praised for his maturity, he cites the wide age gap between his half and step siblings as the reason. <laughs> so there you go. It's, you've been, apparently you've been praised for your maturity and you've said it's, how, what is the age gap? Um, my, my oldest brother, um, is 33, I believe. Um, and my, uh, my second oldest brother is 31, turning 31 this year. So, uh, they're much older than me. And, and have they impacted your maturity? Oh yeah, for sure. I think like just growing up, um, you know, when they were getting older, like 16, 17, 18, um, you know, they probably didn't want to be around a annoying kid anymore. So. I kind of had to like learn to be not as annoying so that my brothers would want to hang out with me, I guess. So I guess that's a little bit of maturity in a way um, at a young age. See, I've never learned that, how to be not as annoying. <laughs> I, I've, I've it's just, not easy. I've just... No, it's not easy. I really got to go against type. So that's uh, that's tough. Well, that's pretty cool. So what's uh, what do you got coming up? What's the schedule this weekend for the World Kings? Uh, we got another three and three this weekend um, against the Hitmen, so um, that'll be good. We haven't played Calgary yet this year, so um, it'll be interesting to see how we do against them and, and hopefully keep our little streak here going. Right on. Well, Jake, you're welcome on the show anytime. Again, we really appreciate you uh, jumping on this impromptu edition of the show that we didn't know we were going to have until about 4.15 this afternoon, but we do appreciate the Oil Kings update. Glad that you're having personal success. Most importantly, glad the team is rolling along at 7-0. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on again, Reed. It was good catching up. Absolutely. That is Jake Neighbors from your Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, great player, 12 points in seven games. First round pick of the Blues from the draft in October. He was taken 26th overall. And uh, oh yeah, I guess the Oil Kings are already over a third of the way, well, almost a third of the way done their season. They've played seven. They're going to play 24. John Shannon, who uh, joins us on uh, every face-off show and is also a regular guest on Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, has posted this on Twitter. The question of whether or not Oilers versus Canadians on Wednesday is a go won't be decided until Tuesday afternoon. Canadians' full team requires PCR testing in the morning. So according to John Shannon, we will know about Wednesday's game tomorrow afternoon. Tonight's game obviously not happening. We will dive a little deeper into that story when we get back. Eric Engels from Sportsnet in Montreal will check in. Calgary Flames have pulled even in Ottawa. It's 1-1 now with 3.40 to go. Johnny Goudreau scored at 14.54 of the third. 
to make it 1-1. Ryan Dezingle had the only other goal in the game back at 10-23 of the first period, his seventh of the season. So we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Flames are out shooting the Senators 33-20. The Oilers game postponed. And uh, again, John Shannon writing on Twitter, the question of whether or not Oilers versus Canadians on Wednesday is a go won't be decided until Tuesday afternoon. Canadians' full team requires PCR testing in the morning. So we uh, do not know if there's going to be a game Wednesday. Tonight's game, not happening. It will not be played tomorrow. So we don't know when it's going to be rescheduled, and we don't know if uh, Wednesday's game is a go. And I suppose as a result, we can't be sure about Friday's game either. Though I suppose the further away we go from today, the more likely it is that the games are going to be played. So this would have been game one of the Oilers' five-game road trip, Montreal, 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 and then Toronto on Saturday and Monday. But uh, not happening. So this is the first game in the North Division to actually be postponed to a later date. We did have... The last time the Oilers in Montreal, the game was delayed by an hour. So, I mean, it technically was postponed, but it was still played on the same day. So, yeah, two players on the Montreal Canadiens uh, listed in the COVID protocol this afternoon, uh, Yol uh, Armia and Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And the Canadians were, would have been banged up if they would have played that game. They wouldn't have had those two guys. Ben Sherratt is out for another six or seven weeks with a hand injury. Tyler Toffoli is uh, going to be out he would, well, he would have missed all three games, so he wasn't going to play against the Oilers because of a lower body injury. For Edmonton, Kyler Yamamoto wasn't going to play, and uh, Kyle Turris, who was in COVID protocol uh, last week, is still getting back into game shape. We'll uh, quickly visit here with Eric Engels from Sportsnet Montreal. Eric, I know it's been a crazy afternoon for you into the evening, so thanks for joining us here on Inside Sports at Edmonton. We'll try to have you on some night where it's not major breaking news that you're trying to cover <laughs> like you were with the Canadians coaching change uh, last time we had Sean. But th- thanks for thanks for fitting us in. Okay, uh, and you you were all over this. We were we were watching your Twitter account during our face-off show here on six thirty. Shed, how did this play out for you? Where we kind of thought, okay, we'll have a game, and then the doors started to open wider and wider for there not being a game. You know what? It, it just occurred to me that the two players that found themselves on the list were were both at the morning skate this morning. So. You know, that would indicate that they could have had close contact with the number of the members of the team, including all the ones that were on the ice. And so, you know, I immediately emailed the deputy commissioner of the NHL, Bill Daly, and asked, is this game still on? Is there a possibility it'll be postponed? Uh, at which point he responded, no, it's it's still on. It won't be postponed. And then four minutes later, I got an email from him saying new information had come to light, which I think could, could mean that he, he wasn't necessarily aware that the Canadians had had a full morning skate this morning with those two players involved. So uh, in any case, you know, the, the decision was made. Uh, certainly out of a, an abundance of caution because we don't know if Jesperi Kakaniemi or Yola Armia have tested positive for COVID or if they have uh, had a false positive or if they have had close contact with someone that has tested positive and, or close contact with each other if one of them has been in close contact with someone who tested positive. So, you know, it's it, I know it's complicated for the listeners. It's complicated for me. It's complicated for you, Reed. It's complicated for the Canadians and the NHL and everyone involved, but um, you know, that's what we know so far. What we don't know is is vast and wide and will dominate the discussion between now and when we knew when we know more. 
So it's my understanding, though, that both teams were fully at the rink and, and ready to go because it was less than an hour before puck drop that it got called off. Yes, uh, and that's, you know, this this really surfaced at the last minute here. So, again, uh, there's too many details. I don't know as to why that was the case, but I know that re- results for testing needs to be submitted by each team before 5 p.m. local. Um, and shortly after 5 p.m., Yoel Armia's name was on the list, and then Jesperi Kakinami's name was on the list, and then nobody has been placed on the list uh, since. And the Vancouver Canucks, who were Montreal's last opponent, um, also submitted their results and had nobody on the list. Uh, they last played on Saturday, traveled back to Vancouver, and they're playing Winnipeg uh, in about a half an hour. So uh, I don't know what that all means. I, I'm in the I'm in the dark as much as everyone here, waiting to find out. But um, we'll see when they get to uh, when the Canadians and, and the Oilers get back to business, for that matter. All right. So basically, uh, and I, you know, I read what John Shannon tweeted out that we might know something tomorrow afternoon about Wednesday's game, and then I suppose if there's a game Wednesday, there would be a game Friday. But what, if anything, are you hearing about the future of this now two-game series? Yeah, uh, I don't, I, uh, well, it's really complicated, but I'm not anticipating that the game will be made up tomorrow. And if it is, it, it most likely, if not definitely, won't include Cockney, and Armia, regardless of whether or not it was a false positive. I think it, it would be complicated to get them off the list. I don't know how many tests they have to pass uh, to get back to um, playing status. Tomorrow would be the only day this week that they could make it work. Uh, if they don't plan on affecting the rest of the schedule. Uh, if they were to change things up and reschedule the game for Thursday, that would be complex as well because the Canadians were scheduled to play the Oilers Wednesday and Friday, and the Oilers were scheduled to go to Toronto and play the Leafs on Saturday. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure uh, how this gets worked out, whether or not it gets played uh, at a later point in time. Um, with all the stuff we're waiting to find out too. Sorry, I wish I had more answers for you. Well, no, I, th- I think that's part of the story is that we don't know. It's, it's one of those things where the I think the uncertainty itself is uh, is part of the story. But you definitely uh, you definitely have educated everybody how how this uh, how this played out and and uh, and your role in breaking the story too. So we do appreciate that. Bef- before I let you go, because I, I referenced the last time we had you on was in Mont- when Montreal made the coaching change. Anything noticeably different for you since Ducharme took over? Yeah, just in terms of the, the connection in their play. Um, you know, the, the main speaking point of Ducharme's system is to really bring it like a five-man type of unit. Um, you think back to Ken Hitchcock and, and his style of coaching. It's really about puck support and um, where you're going to be without the puck and getting to the places to provide more options, both. Uh, you know, on and off of defense and on offense. And we've seen those things take hold. You know, the, the big demon was overtime. And I think a lot of people will say, well, why can't the Canadians beat teams before they get there? Well, that's that's this division. It's a close division with, with teams that are right up against each other and, and, and have the um, kind of talent uh, that's parallel between you know both teams uh, no matter which night you're you're watching a game and you know you can look at the Ottawa Senators as a rung below everybody else but I, I you know they're not that far behind they're a team that if you don't show up to play could hurt you now the Oilers uh, haven't experienced that very much but every other team in Canada has and so it, this division is tight 
uh, Ducharme has done a good job so far. There's some things that he can do better, and he, he likes to say himself that he's always chasing perfection and, you know, that the Canadians are far from it with what they've done so far this year. But they also have been wire to wire in a playoff spot, and with this series against Edmonton, if it gets played, when it gets played, they have a great opportunity to move their way up towards the top of the division. So... I was looking forward to watching these games. I hope we're still looking forward to watching them this week. I hope the health of Yasperi Kakniemi and Joel Armia is intact uh, and no one else is affected here because that's primary and of utmost importance. Yeah, and as we're talking about the, the division, the Senators beat the Calgary Flames 2-1. That one is now a final. Eric, we really appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. My pleasure. Take care. That is Eric Ingalls from Sportsnet Montreal was all over the story today leading up to the cancellation of the game between the Oilers and the Canadians. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. In overtime, the Islanders and Flyers are tied 1-1. Early in the third, it's 1-1 between Minnesota and Anaheim. As I mentioned before the news break, Ottawa beats Calgary 2-1. Calgary tied it with about, uh, what were we at, 5.06 left in the game, but then Chris Tierney got the winner at 17.24, so 2-1, Ottawa wins it. Hurricane shut out the Blue Jackets 3-zip. Another loss for the Sabres. The Rangers win it 5-3 tonight. Chris Kreider scored twice, now has 16 on the season. The Sabres are 6-20-4 on the year. Oilers, Canadians, that's why you're here in Inside Sports and not the game, postponed. And uh, John Shannon reporting uh, hopefully tomorrow afternoon we'll know about the fate of Wednesday's game in Montreal. Raptors having a tough go lately, but they lead Houston tonight 28-23 late in the first quarter. I'm not going to give every single NCAA score, but I'm just going to say your bracket is ruined. What were you thinking? <laughs> As we welcome Paul, sir, from Alberta basketball to the show, who I'm sure filled out several. Do you bother? You must fill out numerous brackets. Paul. You, you know, you know what? I, I didn't fill out a bracket this year, Reed, for the first time ever in my life. I just, I just, I wasn't interested. It's not that I wasn't interested. I'm super interested in the tournament. I just wasn't interested in the bracket for some reason. And for the first time that I can remember, I was reading today, there is not one bracket in the world that's 100% accurate. It's the first oh, wow. time ever. <laughs> well, yeah, and the, the and the first round, the first couple rounds usually go Thursday through Saturday. And so yeah. this year they moved it Friday to to monday yeah usually like four brackets or something survive the first weekend don't they like out yeah, of millions usually. oh yeah usually i mean even after the first round there were on espn they had 50 million brackets filled out <laughs> and a hundred and hundred and eight were still correct after the first first round so that shows already the destruction to anybody's brackets and now they're all ruined so this is without question for all kinds of reasons, the most unusual NCAA March Madness tournament I've ever seen. Well, and I suppose, okay, what? So we had the 15 seed beat a two seed. So that ruins the bracket right away for a lot of people. And oh, then sure. and then a number one lost yesterday. 
Illinois yeah, law. Most, and, and right. And, and in, a, in, a, in the middle of that, all of these other unexpected losses just out of nowhere, you know, 12s and 5s, of course, 13s and 4s, but it's the numbers of them. You know, Abilene Christian beating Texas, that's it. that right. just never happened. They've never won an NCAA game in their in their school history, and then they beat Texas. Like it's, it's just a, it's an amazing year, Reed. It really is. But nonetheless, it's still uh, it makes it even more interesting. I think this year with all of the bizarre uh, all of the bizarre circumstances all sports are dealing with, and certainly the and March Madness is part of that bizarre world. And, if, and and we should mention too, the one game was never played. Because Oregon right. beat VCU in the the no contest, yep. And then and then yep. Oregon a seven beat a number two. So if you, I mean, a ten a seven is a coin flip for picking them. So Oregon now oh. has made the the Sweet Sixteen. Oregon's a good team, you know. I'm a big Iowa fan, but not, now you've given me my excuse. They didn't even the Oregon didn't even have to play the first game, but 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 actually it came down to Iowa plays defense like I played, which means not very good. And so they get beat by everybody. But, uh, yeah, it's been one one upset after another, one unexpected loss and victory after another, some great March Madness stories. You know, everything that, everything that you want, and then throw in the Edmonton connection to one of the great upsets of all time with Loyola of Chicago beating the University of Illinois. Yeah, well, and I talked a little bit about that with with Steve on Friday, and I got to see the the second half of that game. T- tell us a little bit more about uh, Ahir and sort of his his journey to playing big time NCAA ball. Well, you know, Ahir always it was never a question whether Ahir had the physical ability to play at a Division One level. That was never that was never a, a, a debatable point. But like a, that hap- a, a thing that happens to a lot of kids, and that's because they're kids, when they come out of high school, they choose a school where it just doesn't work out for any number of reasons. But he had a soft landing with Loyola of Chicago in his transfer year. He sat on the bench when they went to the Final Four and you know took the nation by storm. Now here he is playing in his senior season, and he's a a, a major part, really, of Loyola. Like the other night, he didn't score, but he defended. He played 21 minutes. He defended his butt off, and he did all of these little things, but it wasn't his night to score points. The the other guys stepped up. But here has been a major contributor in one of the great programs. In fact, Reed, I will say that, in my opinion, Porter Mosier, the head coach of Loyola, is the best college basketball coach right now in the United States. He really? Is, How come? Um, How come? I'll tell you, I, and I can tell you exactly why I believe that. Uh, Tony Bennett plays. He, he's at the University of Virginia. They were the defending national champions. They're out. 14 going out, uh, uh, 14 seed beating a three seed, I believe. Uh, and Bennett's teams play what's called a pack line defense, which means that you don't go way out away from the basket and try to steal the ball. You protect the paint and you make other teams uh, in in basketball we say stay in front of you you stay between your man and the basket Porter Mosier does that as well he just does it better but Tony Bennett is hugely criticized and one of the reasons he loses big games is his offense is very passive it doesn't attack until late into the shot clock that's part of their defensive strategy is to keep the score low 
Porter Mosier's teams execute so well on offense, and they're always looking for opportunities to attack. So they blend that great defense with great offense. But the thing is, and this is what, in my opinion, makes him the best coach in the country, the kids all buy in. They all move as one on both of the offensive side and defensive side. They do everything every coach would like their teams to do, but they do it night in and night out. And then that's why they can beat a number one seed like Illinois. Okay, so I, I, I want to ask you this about coaching because the beauty of the NCAA tournament, it's all one game elimination. The players are young. Most of them aren't going to the NBA. Sometimes they panic or have an off day. How, when you're watching a game, have you ever thought to yourself, the coach is panicking? What is the coach doing in this high-pressure situation? Does that ever click in your brain? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and having been a coach for a long time myself, and looking back, if, if, if a coach is honest with himself, you're going to look back and say, man, did I blow that? And it could be panic. It could be just not thinking clearly in the moment about what your adjustments need to be. And I don't want to bore our listeners with any of the bad stories on my account, but you can see that now. And I'll give you an example. Uh, San Diego State, heavily favored against Syracuse. Syracuse had a mediocre season, limped into the NCAAs. And they absolutely hammered the Aztecs, who had a marvelous season. And if the Aztecs couldn't shoot, but you could, you could see in the coaching staff, head coach Brian Dutcher, he just didn't know what to do. Like you can't go out and tell your players how to, how you, you can't make the baskets for them. But the strategy, it just looked like they didn't have a clue as to how to respond to Syracuse's bizarre zone defense. So. Yes, 100% read. You can see that all the time. Coaches are just dudes and, and, you know, men and women who are out there and they're doing their best. And sometimes they're really good and they're really organized and they're really disciplined. And sometimes no matter what you've done, nothing's going right. Yeah, I, I, I like that. And the coaches are such big personalities in NCAA, well, really in NCAA sports. I, I think sometimes the coach is so heavily associated with with the program. And to me, that's part of it, right, is that game management and that calmness uh, when you're in a do-or-die situation. Does the, does the coach establish the tone that allows the players to succeed? Boy, I, I like what you just said, Reed, and that really is why I still love the NCAA game. It is the last vestige on the planet of the old traditional basketball game. The, the coach is still in control of the game in the NCAA. In FIBA and international basketball, you're not in control of the game. It, it, it applies to the NBA as well, of course, but in terms of that level of basketball, the coach is so impactful on the game, and there's so much strategy that goes into the preparation in the game that that's really what makes NCAA basketball unique. Sometimes it's boring to watch because the coach is doing too much. Other times it's just beauty. And the other night when we saw Loyola beat uh, Illinois, that was a thing of beauty, of player and coach in perfect sync working together and finding a way to beat a vastly superior team that had in terms of physical talent. It was really something to watch. Paul, sir, joining us today from uh, Basketball Alberta. He's the executive director. He's also uh, in basketball development for 3x3 with uh, Canada Basketball. Okay, I'll throw one more at you because you always have a lot of great stories. Uh, Postpone games. 
uh, <laughs> the Oilers had one tonight. I mean, you coached and played at, at a few different levels. Um, well, I know, I know the team you were involved with a few years ago, I think you were involved with the team that year, the, the pro team that didn't go to the final tournament because there was yeah. no money to travel them or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah. That was, that was lovely. Um, that was, that was a highlight. We just, yeah, it was, you know, but you know what? I won't go there because there were so okay. many extenuating yeah, circumstances. No, no, I don't, don't be sorry. I would love to just unleash, but we, you know, that no, I, I think it's better not to. In terms of games postponed, snow snow days in high school in Iowa, absolutely. Uh, you know, had had games postponed. Um, I'm trying to think if there, there there seems to be one though that that had a unique. Oh, I know where it was. It was in Belgium. It was I was I was playing in Belgium and they wanted to play outside and it was raining, so we we had a rain delay for a basketball game. Reed. <laughs> so oh, we, we, we had an outside court and the, 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 the funny true story uh two hour rain delay then i remember it was outside of a school in a church they brought all of the the school desks outside for the people to sit in and they were selling beer so it was like 11 in the morning on sunday people came from church watched their game had a beer at a school desk while we played basketball. <laughs> that's amazing. That's, oh, that's a beauty. I would, I would yeah, have gone to that game for sure. That was a great game. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, there's a, an evening game here is uh, just starting. Kansas and US, USC are about to tip off, so you probably want to go watch that one. Thanks for Good checking job. in, Paul. And, and again, we appreciate you doing this on uh, on short notice since we, we found out about 4.15 we had a show. So thanks for hopping on. Any time, Reed. It was always great to talk to you. Absolutely. That is Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta checking in on the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, pro all the way. 780-496-0063 is that hotline number if you are ever inclined to use it. And speaking of that NCAA tournament, Gonzaga uh, undefeated 87-71 as they roll on, knocking off number eight, Oklahoma, in their region. Okay. Yeah, Ottawa. Beat the Flames tonight. So Calgary's record dips down to 15-15-3 on the season. Ottawa gets its 11th win of the year. Oilers-Montreal, we hope to find out. We hope to find out tomorrow afternoon. That is the latest on uh, Wednesday's game between the Oilers and the Canadians. Will it be played? That's the latest update I have for you there. We'll take a quick timeout. Now that's a good track. Okay. Well, we appreciate you tuning in. We all wanted hockey tonight. We didn't get it. We'll see what happens with the rest of the week. Oilers at Canadians. COVID protocol for Kotkaniemi and Armia. And uh, John Shannon saying uh, they need more testing tomorrow morning for the Canadians. So maybe by tomorrow afternoon, we'll know what's going to happen with uh, Wednesday's game. Kellen Kennedy is back at the 630 Chet Studio. Of course, I've been broadcasting from... uh, 
from my home for, uh, I don't know, since last April or something like that. So I, I rarely see the one and only Kellen Kennedy, but I get to talk Yo. to him all the time. How are you doing, buddy? Doing good. How about you? Good. Did you fill out an NCAA bracket? I did not, no, but I've been kind of paying not close attention, but kind of keeping, you know, half of one eye on what's happening. And as if I'm digging all the upsets, though, it's great. Well, it's a fun tournament to watch because every tournament is game seven or every game is game seven. So right. even if you don't know much about it, there's drama built in. And even if you don't know much about it, if you fill out a bracket by the seeds, it tells you who should win. So it's just a matter of if you want to pick an upset, how many and how severe you want the upset to be. I wound up going in uh, in three brackets, which is more than I intended to, but mm-hmm. you, you get you get roped in. Actually, my buddy, uh, uh, my buddy Mark, who works at a radio station in Calgary, uh, I've known him since we were going to Nate together in the late '90s, and he's been doing an NCAA bracket uh, since then. So whenever he, I, I go in his every year, just uh, just automatically, and he, the the entry fee is only ten dollars. So right. That's- so that's that's in my price range. Okay, well, uh, let's let's we haven't done this for two or three weeks. It really sure. has become a fixture here on Inside Sports. According to our recent polls, it is one of the most popular segments on Inside Sports. It is called Name the Animal. Now it's a little bit of a complex game, so I'll explain how it happens. Kellen Kennedy is going to play the audio of an animal, mm. and I will have to guess what animal it is. I don't know what it is. Uh, the, no, there's no prize involved. If you try to help me, it, it does. It doesn't matter. Uh, as Kellen usually winds up giving me hints. There's only one animal that I got right away. Yes. That was several weeks ago when I instantaneously got walrus. Other than that, I usually need a little bit of help. So Kellen has, uh, he's wrangled an animal out of the 630 Ched uh, barn. It's actually not playing the sound. You bring the animal into the studio with you, and then on command, it makes a noise. Yes, exactly. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, I am ready, Kellen. Okay, here we go. So name that animal, Edmonton and surrounding area, in free two and... It's a goose. No. It is a bird, bird. though. It is a bird. Is it a duck? Is it a duck? It is not. Is it a waterfowl? Uh, kind of, sort of. Half and half. Half and half. Do we have them in Edmonton? No. Okay. Is it larger than a duck? Yes. Is it a heron? No. Is it a pelican? No. Is it a flamingo? That's it. You got it. Oh, it's a flamingo. It's a flamingo. I got it on my seventh guess, so I get one-seventh of a point. That's huge. (laughs) That increases my average. That's that's what a flamingo sounds like, eh? Yeah, it does. Uh, This is an official uh, kind of bird... Sanctuary. It's on flamingo.com. Exactly. I'm not going to go to flamingo.com. That's probably something weird. All right. So let's look up flamingo online. Four flamingo species are distributed throughout the Americas, including the Caribbean, and two species are native to Africa, Asia, and Europe. Yes, they do not come north of uh, Florida. There are flamingos in Florida, and they are generally a coastal bird. 
Yeah. So and, and uh, the, there we go. And the sound you yes. heard was uh, flamingos from a uh, bird sanctuary in Florida. So there you go. Well, of course. Yeah. Mm. Why? Why? Why wouldn't that be where the sound comes from? <laughs> <laughs> and flamingos have been seen on several lawns in northern Alberta, but they're plastic. We think. Probably. Yes. Probable. All right. Well, that was that was the highlight of my day. Uh, <laughs> You know, there we go. Didn't get to talk about any Oilers highlights, but uh, I, I somewhat correctly identifying a flamingo noise is probably something that I'm uh, going to remember forever. By the way, the uh, Rockets now leading the Raptors 43-39 halfway through the, uh, the second quarter. Well, that's it. <laughs> that's uh, That feels like a heck of a way to end inside sports with flamingo noises what are what are the are they were they the animals that what, what are the animals that bury their heads in the sand Do, those, those are ostriches those yes. are ostriches right i've had ostrich steak oh really i've, I've never yeah it was okay oh cool i've never had flamingo steak there's another thing on the to-do list just gonna jot that down yeah flamingo steak i think the most exotic meat i've ever had was alligator so i've had an, oh, like nice. an alligator steak before that's Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of Inside Sports. Uh, he uh, he did a lot of work getting the show together on short notice. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. I will have Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Kelly Rudy's going to check in tomorrow night. Thank you so much for listening. We will see when the Oilers play next. Should have some news on that tomorrow night. My name's Reed. Take care. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.